It's extra drama for book number 53, Second Chance. Hello, welcome to Extra Drama, everyone, and welcome especially to my guest, Katie Ledoux. I'm smiling. You're smiling. (laughs) Very cute. Very sweetly and cutely. And I am, of course, Marissa Flaxbart. I'm always here. (laughs) If I'm not here, it's not the show. So we were talking about Second Chance. We got to have a lot of reminiscences about high school and life. And, um, you know, I texted Katie when I finished reading this book. I said, uh, I wept over this book. That's what I said, which is very true. I was sat, I read it in two sittings at my dining room table, and I uh, I cried a lot reading it. So I thought that I might as well talk about that. Go ahead. Are you I said okay I with thought, that, Katie? When I read the like description, when we started getting into it, I was like, oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I guess this is, again, a side effect we're going to continue to run into of me not really knowing what's coming with these books is that I can mm-hmm. I can be a little blindsided and you know I maybe I just never know with like trigger warnings and content warnings but I mean I, th- the books always have so much soap operatic stuff happening then it's like you can take it with a grain of salt I know that everybody feels this way about these things but there's something very cathartic about finding some similarities with you know, Kristen Thompson is not a character that I have that much in common with and her mom died when she was seven in a crazy plane crash. That is very different than the circumstances of my mom's death. Uh, my mom died when I was 15. She had a rare form of breast cancer. And it, I mean, it blindsided me just about as much because I just really didn't think that she was going to die. But the fact of her mother's death didn't bother, like, that didn't make me cry. What made me cry was a passage that I actually read in the main episode, and I'm going to read it again. Um, If you go back to listen to that episode, I think I choked up a little bit reading it again, actually reading it aloud. So we'll see if I can if I can uh, make it through this time. And I I mean, I guess I'm not trying to be masochistic here. Like, let's see if I can make myself cry. I'm just I want to set it up so that I can talk a little bit and be a little vulnerable in a way that Kristen Thompson was so afraid to be vulnerable with you uh, gladiators to whom I am so grateful for your listenership and your kind comments and wonderful reviews of the podcast that make me so happy. It's on page 99. I'm going to tell you something now that I probably should have told you a long time ago. Your mother was planning to quit tennis right after Wimbledon so she could stay home with you and your father. She wanted a normal life. She wanted to have time to watch her daughter grow up. Dory blinked back tears. She never ended up getting the chance, but I know if she were alive today, she'd take you in her arms and say that being a winner in life doesn't depend on one match, or even a dozen matches. And you are a winner, Kristen Thompson. Do you hear me? And then they hug, and then Kristen says, I miss her, you know, and of course, poor thing has not gotten to talk about her mom. And, you know, look, my mom was not a tennis pro. She, (laughs) She didn't miss out on her chance for Wimbledon. But I guess what I mean when I say finding a surprising affinity in these books with a character is is cathartic or is good in some way is part of the 
whole project is that I was kind of surprised to recognize myself in this passage. There's a scene earlier on in the book where Kristen is feeling really upset about how she's she's doing poorly in these matches. And maybe it's even after she's lost the Avery Cup and she goes and she picks up a photo of her mother like holding the trophy and she just thinks about how much she wanted to become a professional tennis player like for her mom. She wanted to do it because her mom hadn't gotten a chance to achieve her dream of winning at Wimbledon because that had been taken away from her. And that's very specific. Like, I don't have a specific thing. Like, it's not like my mom, you know, had been working really hard at being, say, like, a successful screenwriter or like a stage actress or like some specific goal where she died. And I felt like I had to, I had to fulfill her dream for her, like nothing that cut and dry. But I think that you know, we talked in the main episode about the feeling of always like being busy and like trying to accomplish things. I, you know, being involved in a lot of things. I think that what I was thinking and feeling when I read this book was how much I got this idea in my head about like making the most of every day, you know, it's something that is a lot of times we're told to do, right? It's like the best thing yeah. you can do. You know, you only have this one life. And there, there is this tyranny of carpe diem that the, as my life goes on, sometimes I really like torture myself over, you know, am I living my best life? You know, because I, I need to do it because my mom's yeah. life got cut short. Like I yeah. need to do well for her. And even I think my mom was very proud of me like she she uh, was proud of everything i did she was insanely proud of me and i know i know like for a fact that she wasn't proud of me because of my accomplishments she was just like wow you're so great and look at all these great things that you do like it was just um she's just such an amazing cheerleader for me my dad my dad is like that too but i think that in some ways because of having all of that like support and knowing how like this feeling of like wanting to continue to make her proud. It's like, well, I've got to, I've got to do even like even saying it out loud. It's just like, I, I can't quite make the things agree. It's like, I know that she would love me no matter what in the same way that what Dory says to Kristen is your mom would be so proud of you for being a winner. Not literal, not in the literal sense, but like as a human being. And it's just like, I know that that's true of my mom as well. But at the same time, I I really related to Kristen's feeling of like needing to really, really like, quote unquote, succeed in life in in her endeavors because she wanted to do it for her mom. Yeah, I mean, does that make any sense? Obviously not in I completely understand like how you related to that. And it I mean, not in the way that, like, I understand, but, like, I get what you're saying. But I just remember, like, me as a teenager, just, like, putting so much pressure on myself to do these things that I thought my parents wanted to see me do to the point that I legitimately landed myself in therapy because of it. And I remember my therapist being like, your parents are not going to, like 
not love you if you don't succeed at these things. Like that's bonkers. And I remember saying something to my, you know, yeah. like finally talking to my parents about it. And they're like, oh, my God, it doesn't matter. It's fine. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I just tore myself apart. Like, if I don't complete this path the way that they wanted or the way that I thought always going or like, it's just going to mm-hmm. like devastate them. And they were like, no, man, you're doing this to yourself. You know, so I I understand that fully. Well, and that is a place that Kristen gets to. I mean, it's spelled out for us, you know, verbatim that when she decides to recommit to tennis, she's like, she's not going to do it for Dory. She's not going to do it for her dad or even for her mom. She's going to do it for herself now. And it's interesting how those things can get so conflated. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people who have the opposite kind of motivation it's like they had parents that were so unsupportive that they were like well i gotta i'll show you you know i'll do Mm -hmm. i'll succeed where you thought i would fail and i feel like i feel very grateful don't get me wrong to have had such supportive parents but i guess i hope it's clear that i'm kind of describing two things simultaneously like the feeling of like you know so there's this thing that people say a lot about young people like not understanding their own mortality that innocence <laughs> uh, that ignorance uh, was something that was really yanked away from me at a, at a pretty early age and i feel like okay i get it and then it's like okay well I'm, all the different ways that there are to like make the most of life it's just like that's so toxic <laughs> it's exhausting too. like you know? <laughs> i'm somebody who like i live a quiet life like I like watching TV and watching movies and reading books and like going out every once in a while. And like, I don't need to just constantly be doing things all the time. And the way that like people react to that of just being like, no, you want to just like get out and do stuff and live your life and do something. Oh, and I'm like, no, that sounds exhausting. And I don't look back (laughs) on my days spent watching these like shows that I love or reading these books or just hanging out, whatever. I don't regret that. And I don't think that's a waste of a day. I think it's like, as long as you're, pretty satisfied with the way that you spent your day you don't need to just constantly be like i need to be doing everything i need to be doing everything i need to be doing like that can get so toxic i hope that somebody listening to this like needed to hear you say that katie i have a feeling they probably did because i mean that is really great to sort of and i think for in my life too like the moments that i've taken a step back and thought about you know the choices that i've made and how i've spent my time and it's like yeah okay i i I was good i don't regret having done that and i certainly don't want to be like living my life as an as a checklist like, got to check off yeah. this experience, got to check off that experience so that I can say that I did it, like, when yeah. I'm dead. Like, like people doesn't like, even well, really I did it for sense, the story. Right? I did it to say that I have done it. Or people will be like, well, I did this and I did that. And I'm like, why? That doesn't sound like any fun. Did you have fun? And like, well, it's kind of sad. Like, yeah, see, I thought it was a disaster <laughs> when you told me about it. That's not fun. I would rather, like have fun you know 
as long as we're talking about like matrilineal uh inheritance i i do have something that after my mom's mom my my grandmother passed away that i snagged from her fridge it was a a clipping from probably like reader's digest or something that i remember being attached to her fridge my entire life and it's just a quote that says the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time and I mean, honestly, it's like aspirational. Like I would love to be able to fully internalize that sentiment. You haven't gotten there yet, but it's, I think it's a I good I feel like motto. I really embrace that. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, for various reasons or, you know, as I explained to my doctors once, like, I think my, uh, my lovely endocrinologist who said to me, are you tired often? And I was like, I'm tired all the time. I'm sleepy all the time. I was like, I was a sleepy child and I would sleep all the time and I still do it now. <laughs> and I was just like, I was born a sleepy bitch and I'll die a sleepy bitch. <laughs> so, then I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, that's the most important thing of all to be okay with it. I feel like that's enough of my melodramatics. I hope I hope that wasn't too much navel gazing. I, I promise that it was connected to the book. I hope you can see that gladiators. But before we close out this extra drama, Katie, did you have any other notes from the book that you wanted um, to dig into? I think into? my main note that kept recurring is these girls that would go to talk to other girls and be like, oh my god, she's so pretty. And she's so cool. And and when she spoke to her, her eyes were glittering. And I was like, why aren't more people gay? <laughs> they should be in love. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. There's like a lot of appreciation, like of, on one mm-hmm. woman's behalf yeah. of another woman's beauty. It just <clears throat> never seems to go. I mean, if these were place, made today, you know? they would. Yeah. But there is a lot, yeah, there's a lot of glittering eyes. I don't think we really even touched on how beautiful yeah. Kristen Thompson is purported to be. Um, because, of course, everyone is. Like, Sweet Valley, of course, she's beautiful. And teenagers <laughs> go to jazz clubs. Uh, oh, that's mm-hmm. where Bruce takes her. Yeah. Like, how many 16 year olds are really driving to, to a jazz club on a weeknight because they have a friend that plays in said jazz club? Like, what the hell? So, what Bruce says to her when he picks her up is listen, Casey's is totally beat. Which is, I guess, is slang, 80, late 80s slang for uh, totally beat, meaning like it's yeah. played, you know, played out. That's all. I don't know if that's current I think it's lingo. Silly. But he says, I've got a much better idea. There's an incredible little cafe in the canyon that's also a jazz club. A tenor sax player from L.A. is playing there tonight. I've been wanting to hear him. Let's go there instead. Very cool question mark like part of me thinks it's like very suave but then if i actually think about being in high school like what would be the type of guy who he would have worn a fedora that? and you would have not wanted to hang out with him i mean i probably would have hung out with him it sounds like something that at least one or two of my high school friends would have uh suggested but i am would not you want no to have dated that guy <laughs> maybe but i'm not looking for a yeah, cool yeah, guy is really what it comes down to i'm not looking for a bruce patman if somebody that looked like bruce patman suggested those things i would also be like yeah. you're weird i don't know 
Maybe that's a double I standard. I just think it's but weird for so like a it. teenager. Like unless unless you know the person well enough to be like, oh, this is a really sincere, deep interest of theirs, then I could be like, okay, fine, that's acceptable. But otherwise, it's just like you seem yeah, like it- you're trying too hard, and this is weird, <laughs> right? Like since when is Bruce Patman passionate? Yeah, about like jazz? talk to me in ten years, like- and I'll think that's a cool date idea. But right now, it's weird. I don't know. These books, I think, were largely written by New Yorkers, <laughs> so maybe maybe that's more the New York City vibe, you know? Although there is something cool about going out to the canyon, and very, very SoCal. Like, we're gonna go g- catch a concert. I live in, in the, the valley, canyon. is that the same? <laughs> <laughs> and I live Not on quite. the canyon. Well, there you go. You can catch a jazz show in the canyon. No. I- I'm gonna say that's not the same thing, but I don't know where he was driving either. I don't know. Sounds like a long trip. And it was. And she was home late and her dad was mad at her. So, nice going, Bruce. I mean, we all had those fights as teenagers, did we not? You came home too late? I do remember that I was very alarmed one year. I think it might have been my senior year of high school. Or it might have even been, like, Christmas break my first year of college, which was even more galling. And there were a bunch of friends, boys that were going to go sledding off of Highway 12 or something. And my dad told me I couldn't go because it was too dangerous. And it was like icy out there. And like, it was like, no, it was nighttime. He was like, this is a terrible idea. And I was so shocked. Like, I I couldn't believe that he was putting his foot down about this. It was like, like, when have you not let me do things? Like, you know, these friends, they're pretty responsible. Well, so I didn't go because it was like, dang, all right, whatever. And they got in, a, like, a minor, like, car accident that Ooh. night. Like, the friends that went. Like, they were fine. Like, no, it, yeah. would, it would be, I would have been fine, too. But, like, the car wasn't. Like, it, yeah. it would not have been a fun time if I'd gone. So I have to admit, my dad was right. But that was, uh, I guess the other point of the story is that it was such a rare occurrence for me to think something was a good idea. And my dad to be like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> that I didn't have too many of those fights. It's good. Um, I was regularly out really late at like show choir rehearsal or like eating hot wings after show choir rehearsal or something like that in yeah. town. That was just how it was. Mm-hmm. I had a lot more like, I want to do this thing. No, you can't do this thing. Fight. I think <laughs> I that seems pretty typical. I mean, maybe I'm just blocking them out, but I don't think so. And also do remember, I did only have one parent. <laughs> and I mean, to bring it full circle talking about dead mom stuff. I was also really trying to be a good daughter. <laughs> like I was really trying to not give yeah. my dad anything to worry about. I, he never asked me to do that, but I really was like, I got to keep it together. got to yeah. do a good job of like being responsible, you know, because yeah. he doesn't, he can't, you know, he's got enough to worry about without having to worry about me. So, yeah. Plus, also, too, I think my bigger fights with my parents about that was like when I was in college and I was home and I would go out and then mm. the air would come in at like crazy hours 
and they would get mad and I'd be like, oh my God, like, what is this? Like, like I come and go as I please. And they're like, well, yeah, at college. And now you're back in our house and you're banging through the door in the middle of the night. You know, you have to think about this. Like when you come in like this, you know, so I feel what like, a weird time. Yeah. What a weird time in life. And if we ever get to Sweet Valley University, gladiators, maybe we'll talk about it. But boy, yeah. that is a strange time when you're in college, but then you're like home for the summer. And it's like, what even am I? Like, am I a child? Am I an adult? What is my life? Yeah. Where do I live? Who are my friends? <laughs> when are we going back to school? That's yeah. <laughs> my, my Elizabeth is showing. Um, <laughs> well, listen, Katie, it's been such a pleasure to talk about Second Chance with you. Thank you for reading this book with me. I can't thank you enough for being my uh, my pinch hitter. It's wrong sport, but <laughs> we'll use a sports metaphor. I mean, um, I'm here and I work from home, so I'm always around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. All right. So expect to hear a few more Katie Ledoux episodes before too long. We'll see, depending on <laughs> on how much I can get my act together. Uh, no, no. Just kidding. Okay. Um, I love you all, gladiators. Thank you so much for listening. Before we go, hey, Katie, would you mind teasing book number 54? Will Jessica get to be queen of the Citizens Day Ball? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 54, Two Boy Weekend. (laughs) It's just such a great pair of sentences, is it not? I really love it. Gladiators, thank you so much for listening. Remember to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. But even more important than that, you know, just like tell a friend or like tweet about the podcast or, you know, just like word of mouth is good. Um, You can follow along, especially on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries with what's going on in the show. And you can visit SweetValleyDiaries.net to look at the whole archive of the podcast and be writing about it for years now. Thanks a lot, and thanks to you, Katie. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Okay, are you ready for this? Am I ready? I guess. All right.